representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And tonight, three days before the solemn September 11th anniversary, we're pleased to bring to Travel Itch Radio Donna Gibson, Executive Director of Friends of Flight 93 National Memorial, and Ann Nemanik of Pennsylvania's Laurel Highlands. We welcome you both to Travel Edge Radio. Donna, let's start with you. you. When people think of September 11th, they usually think of the World Trade Center in New York, but Shanksville, Pennsylvania was also the site of a plane that crashed after hijacking by terrorists that morning in 2001. Please tell our listeners about the Flight 93 National Memorial, specifically when it opened, how big it is, and who sponsored it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me this evening. So on September 24, 2002, Congress passed and President Bush signed into law Flight 93 National Memorial Act. From that time, then, a Federal Advisory Commission was appointed and the Flight 93 National Memorial Task Force was created with a mission to design and begin construction of the memorial. The task force was made up of regional, local, national, and community members, educators, public and private industry. Together with the National Park Foundation, this task force raised over $40 million to build this memorial. Many times you will hear the memorial called the People's Memorial, and that's why we call it that, because the people in the United States pledged the money to help build it and continue to sponsor programs and, and various projects that we do at the memorial. Oh, that's beautiful. How much time should a visitor allow when they go to visit? Well, I always tell people to allow at least two to three hours to really take in the entire memorial. Um, from the entry, um, we have our Tower of Voices, which is was dedicated in 2018. Um, it's a 93-foot tower with 40 chimes pitched to various tunes to remind us of the voices of the 40 passenger members. From mm-hmm. there, you go to the visitor center that um, visitors can walk the flight path to an overlook and view the sandstone boulder that marks the crash site. Inside the visitor center, displays represent stories of collective 9-11, um, as well as information about the passenger and crew members. And then from there, visitors can either walk to the Memorial Plaza or they can drive to the Memorial Plaza. At Memorial Plaza, visitors can take in a ranger program. I always highly recommend that before visiting, 
a visitor check when what time the ranger programs will be presented because they really do an excellent job of telling the Flight 93 story. And then from Memorial Plaza, the visitor can walk out to the Wall of Names where there are 40 marble stones etched in each of the passenger and crew member names. What events take place each year to honor the passengers and crew aboard Flight 93? So each year um, we have an annual commemoration ceremony, and that takes place on September 11th and starts at 945 every year. Mm -hmm. Um, This year we're doing something a little different, and we're honoring the 40 passenger and crew members with a Heroes Walk, and that will happen on September the 10th. Um, We have family members who will be talking to our walkers along the way. And this year, we're raising money to help enhance our Western Overlook. Um, The Western Overlook is the site where the families were first brought to view the crash site back in 2001. So we're, we're going to beautify that area, put in some benches so that Visitors can uh, take in ranger programs from that site or just take in the beauty of the entire memorial. We're talking with Donna Gibson, Executive Director of Friends of Flight 93. What can you tell us, Donna, about Flight 93 itself? Didn't the passengers revolt on board and save the capital from another suicide plunge? That is correct. So the passengers had the benefit of having a late departure from Newark Airport. So with that late departure, they had the opportunity to make phone calls to loved ones at their homes or um, from the phones on the plane. So they found out what was going on, and they knew that they had to act or potentially risk having the same thing happen to their plane. Although New York's 9-11 Tribute Museum is closing due to lack of funds, I had the chance to spend some time in the other museum. Mary Ellen, do you want to explain the difference between the two? The 9-11 Tribute Museum is a small museum that's comprised of artifacts um, from the different passengers and um, victims of the ni- of 9-11 all over the country. And it didn't have enough money. It was funded by donations, and during COVID, it was really in a in a very bad way. And unfortunately, it's had to close due to lack of funding. And the other museum is still operating. Is that correct? Yes, that is the one that's that's actually on the site of the World Trade Center in the footprint. And I was there. I spent a lot of time there. And I know Flight 93 was honored there, too. The words, let's roll, will be remembered throughout history. Wasn't it Todd Beamer who said that as the passengers stormed the hijackers on Flight 93? Yes, it was Todd. He was on the phone with a DTE uh, telephone operator, and those were the last words that she heard him say as he ended his phone conversation with her. Um, Todd Beamer's dad, David, also says that was one of Todd's favorite things whenever he was trying to round up his family to go somewhere. He would always say, let's roll. That was his thing. 
So can you tell us a little bit more about the Friends of Flight 93 group and how listeners might contribute? Sure. The Friends of Flight 93 are basically the nonprofit partner to the National Park Service. So our mission is to support Flight 93 with resources, volunteers. Um, We do a lot of education, especially given the fact that 75 million Americans have been born since September of 2001. So it's very important for us that the next generation learn about what happened on September 11th, 2001. Um, So we we do um, direct mail, we do programs, we do fundraisers. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, right now our program, we're raising money for the Western Overlook and um, those enhancements because it is a very special place, especially for the family members. And um, so if, if visitors or I'm sorry, if listeners would like to contribute, they can go to flight93friends.org. And we have a donate button, and they can go to our donation page and select how they would like to contribute. That's very helpful, Don. I'm glad you gave that because I was just going to ask you what the website is, and you just gave it. So that's terrific. And I want to tell our listeners that you're you're listening to Travelwitch Radio, now in our 11th season with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. Check us out on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or visit the Travelwitch Radio Facebook page. Moving on, let's talk to Anne Manick about the rest of the Laurel Highlands. Mary Ellen? Anne, our listeners know about the Flight 93 National Memorial, and they know it's just outside of Somerset, Pennsylvania, but where exactly is the Laurel Highlands? Well, Mary Ellen, that's a very good question. Uh, The Laurel Highlands is tucked in the southwestern corner of Pennsylvania. We're just outside of Pittsburgh, which is a a city most um, residents and most U.S. citizens recognize. So we're just tucked right there in the southwestern corner. We're a three-county region of which Somerset County and Shanksville and the Flight 93 Memorial are part of our 3,000-square-mile footprint. So you're saying Pittsburgh is the nearest big city, and so would that also be the best air gateway for out-of-towners? It would be. It definitely would be, although if you're on the West Coast, you may choose to fly into Washington, D.C., perhaps take a tour around the Pentagon or other sites there in Washington, D.C., and take uh, a rental car and drive into the Laurel Highlands. Door-to-door from Washington, D.C. to the Flight 93 National Memorial is about a two-hour drive. That's amazing. I didn't realize that. Now, I'm a big Frank Lloyd Wright fan, as Dan knows, and I've been to Falling Water and Kentuck Knob, also known as the Hagen House. Um, Please tell us about those and the other architectural masterpieces he created in your area. Well, you get two gold stars, having visited (laughs) two of the Frank Lloyd Wright properties in our region. But you are correct. Um, uh, Many of your listeners might recognize Falling Water, one of the houses that you visited. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. But many of them don't recognize Kentuck Knob. But as you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very short drive, just seven miles from Falling Water. 
What I recommend folks to do is do falling water in the morning and then do Kentuck Knob in the afternoon. And when you do that, I think you really have a great look into the genius of Wright as an architect. But we also have two more Frank Lloyd Wright homes where visitors can stay. So, Mary Ellen, you need to have a return visit. Uh, both sure of those do. are located at Polymath Park, and one is called the Duncan House. The other mm-hmm. is called Montalia. They are not native to the site. These properties were in other cities across the United States. They were slated for demolition. They mm-hmm. were disassembled piece by piece and reassembled at Polymath Park so that visitors have an opportunity to come here and experience and actually stay in a Frank Lloyd Wright home. Pretty uh, cool. I'm swooning, I'm swooning. We're talking <laughs> with Anne Nemanic about the Laurel Highlands. And is it fair to say the Laurel Highlands have many historic sites, plus lots of places for outdoor recreation and photography? It's a good combo package, as we'd like to say, for sure. Um, history really goes back to young George Washington, times of the French and Indian War. Um, you can actually come here and visit in the Laurel Highlands. You can see original manuscripts that were written by George Washington as he was a young colonel. You can view his original sidearm pistols that he carried with him during his time in the Laurel Highlands, and both of those things can be found at Fort Ligonier. Um, History really is bountiful from uh, young George Washington, the Revolutionary War, uh, and really the founding of our country had its early roots right in Westmoreland County uh, 250 years ago. But also, you're right about outdoor recreation. That's probably one of the hallmarks of our region, tremendous outdoor resources. We have the largest state park in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Ohio Pile. There you can do whitewater rafting, you can enjoy calm water, you can even bike the Great Allegheny Passage bike trail. That's a really Mm -hmm. awesome experience. You can bike from Pittsburgh all the way to Washington, D.C. Part of it is on the Great Allegheny Passage, which is a rail trail. Then you connect to the CNO Canal, and then you bike the whole way to uh, Washington, D.C. So there's many things all season, skiing, of course, in the wintertime, uh, but hiking and biking and all types of outdoor recreation. And, yes, we have lots of photo ops, and the <laughs> Laurel Highlands is proud to host a photo contest every year. So both of you come visit, take photos, your listeners do the same, and there's $500 just waiting for you. Ooh. That sounds good. By the way, I get two gold stars, too, because I, too, have visited both of those Frank Lloyd Wright homes, Falling Water and Kentucky Knob. All and right. They well, were I'll have to together. They, yeah. they are, and, and I, I'll I, just I, have to I, dig for stars. <laughs> and I took your advice. I, I did Falling Water in the morning and Kentucky Knob in the afternoon. Oh, very good. Good, good, good. So we've talked about Frank Lloyd Wright. We've talked about Flight 93 National Memorial. But what else? What are the other highlights? If I'm, I've got limited time in the Laurel Highlands, what other highlights would you recommend? 
Well, when you're at Flight 93, one of the things that I might recommend that might not be on everyone's radar is to visit Q Creek Mine Rescue Site. We're talking about things to do in the morning and things to do in the afternoon. So Q Creek is just 15 miles from Flight 93, and it is a very uplifting story of nine miners that were rescued from an underground mine 20 years ago in 2002. Makes a nice compliment to the day. Mm. And I would say fall is knocking on our door, and most people think the leaves only change color in New England, but the we hear the Laurel Highlands has great color, too. Well, yes, yes. (laughs) Our leaf peepers are getting ready for uh, some gorgeous fall foliage, that's for sure. But we are excited. For the third year in a row, the Laurel Highlands has been named one of the top ten fall destinations by USA Today. So it's a great time to come. Um, Autumn is certainly lovely uh, at both Falling Water and Kentuck Knob. And peak leaf season is typically around the second week of October. And we have tons and tons of fall festivals leading um, up to that time. We start off this weekend with several, and then we'll um, climax with Fort Ligonier Days, which will be around that second week of October. Fun. And will visitors find a wide variety of places to stay as well as good restaurants? That's a really good question. Um, What we're very fortunate to have are many lodging options. So let's start with the unique. We have tree houses, tiny houses, yurts, and glamping experiences. Um, We have oodles of vacation rentals that can accommodate a couple wanting to just relax for the weekend or large expansive cabins to accommodate up to 30 for a big turkey uh, if they're uh, so inclined over Thanksgiving. But we have our traditional hotels. We have mountain resorts like Seven Springs and Hidden Valley. And, of course, we have and are very honored to have the exclusive Nemecolin Resort in uh, the Laurel Highlands as well. Mm. And restaurants? Restaurants also, we just had a conversation in the office today. I think what's really awesome here in the Laurel Highlands are single proprietary owners. These are family-owned and operated restaurants, and they're in the nooks and crannies of our unique little towns uh, scattered throughout the Laurel Highlands. Uh, Our website, laurelhighlands.com, can easily help someone navigate to an Italian restaurant or a seafood restaurant or some of the best steaks that you've ever had. So we welcome visitors to uh, not only try our dining experiences, but also our craft beverages. We have a poor mm-hmm. tour program. It's a passport, over 55 unique craft beverage establishments, everything from beer to wine to distilleries. We even have a meadery and a cidery in the Laurel Highlands. Oh, how fun. Now, do most Laurel Highlands visitors come by car? You mentioned coming by plane, but can they also come by train? They can do a lot of different things. 23% of the U.S. population is within a driving distance of the Laurel Highlands. So really eight major metro areas fit within that percentage. Ideally, we are a drive-to destination. Um, Certainly for those folks that are in the Baltimore, D.C. metro area would drive. But New Yorkers, super easy. Just hop on Amtrak or take a plane, and you'll be in the Laurel Highlands in a very short period of time. 
cool. We're talking with Ann Nemanic of Pennsylvania's Laurel Highlands. Ann, are you also close to such Pennsylvania tourist meccas as Hershey so that drivers can include something sweet in their travels? Well, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo Hershey, um, but we <laughs> we aren't as close as as you might think. But that is not a problem for um, your listeners that have a sweet tooth. We have our own wonderful uh, chocolate makers here in the Laurel Highlands. Uh, in fact, there is a local candy store called O'Shea's. It's on the corner of uh, the town of Ligonier. Ligonier is where our offices are located, but we truly consider it a destination town. It's quintessential Americana, and I am absolutely certain that uh, folks can find and fulfill their needs for sweets right there at O'Shea's. But not to be outdone, you also need to remember that we have lots and lots of maple in our region. So if they're so inclined, uh, maybe they'll want to try some Pennsylvania maple candy uh, and take some of that home as a reminder of their visit to the Laurel Highlands. Mm, how about that? And what about sports? Um, are there any um Triple-A baseball, or, or even how far are they from Pittsburgh for? You're not that far. 30-minute um, drive from the Laurel Highlands into Pittsburgh. Will, well, hmm? we, we, exactly. We have uh, national sport teams located in Pittsburgh, just a 30- to 45-minute drive from the Laurel Highlands. So you have the Pittsburgh Pirates, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, of course, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Speaking of football, as your listeners may or may not know, summer training camp is held in the Laurel Highlands at St. Vincent College. So when those Steelers make it to the playoffs in the Super Bowl, always remember they got their start in the Laurel Highlands at summer training camp. How about that? I would like to compliment Pittsburgh as being the most photogenic stadium in Major League Baseball. It's pretty. It's beautiful. It really is. And I think, too, when you see um, the footage from, uh, from the sky, wh- whether it's for football or whether it's a baseball game, and you see um, Point State Park and you see just the, uh, the beauty of the city all lit up at night, it is very, very special. And I think that's one of the things that is unique about the Laurel Highlands. We're a great companion to a major metropolitan city. So if you want to experience Pittsburgh, awesome, and then take a very short drive right out into the Laurel Highlands. Easy to spend a full week uh, in our region seeing lots of different things. Hmm. That's a great suggestion. Another thing that I love in Pittsburgh is the three funiculars that go up the hills. Absolutely, yes. The inclines are are very unique to to Pittsburgh. Uh, My husband's dad actually took the incline up and down each day to go to work uh, in the city of Pittsburgh. So while we certainly view those as a a tourism-type experience, they really were something that were used every single day by workers that were uh, getting from the hillside down into Pittsburgh to go to work each day. And getting back to the Laurel Highlands and Shanksville, Mike Mucina, Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher, isn't he from Shanksville? That is correct. that area, Montoursville, I think? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. What about other famous people from the Laurel Highlands? 
Well, the Laurel Highlands is uh, is famous for a number of, of different things. Uh, certainly, uh, young football players get their start here uh, in in the football uh, world. Uh, we also have young student athletes that pursue uh, careers in baseball. Uh, some of them pursue careers in soccer uh, and so forth. I think it really is um, our young sports programs that instill in them the love of sports, uh, and then from there they can take it to the collegiate level, and then uh, from there, of course, on to the professional level. I think more and more of our local college scenes are embracing that, and uh, we're very proud of, of some of our, our local soccer players that are now going on and, and pursuing careers, whether they're coaches uh, or they're playing uh, at, a, at a higher level. So um, I think a combination of wonderful education and combining with sports, uh, you, you really have a great start here in the Laurel Highlands. And what are your peak and bargain seasons? Well, that's a good. That's a really good question. I mean, we are a, a four-season destination, but um, we're getting ready to to head uh, after our, our leaf season into ski season. But I would mm-hmm. say that November would be a good time to travel if you're looking for a bit of a bargain, and then also the months of March and April are very good times to travel. Uh, the snow would be, would be dissipating at that point in time, and then we're just starting to roll into spring season. Uh, it's really a good time to come because a lot of the school groups are not visiting the attractions at that point in time. So uh, your listeners would be able to have some great accommodation values at that point in time. Hmm. That's really good and to know. Mary Ellen, anything else before we wrap it up? Where can we find more information on events and things to do in the Laurel Highlands? Well, you can go to our website. It's golaurelhighlands.com, golaurelhighlands.com. And there listeners can obviously view the website, but they can order a travel guide, maps. We have a beautiful quarterly seasonal calendar out for all of the fall activities. Uh, And during the summertime, we have a summer coupon book. And who doesn't want to save a few dollars when they're traveling? (laughs) You're right about that. Mary Ellen, yours? I I was just wondering if there's anything else we haven't asked that you'd like to add. Just one quick thing, uh, book now. Uh, Fall lodging books up really quickly, and for reasons that we talked about, certainly with our fall foliage, and then right behind that is ski season. So um, if you're interested in coming to the Laurel Highlands today, tomorrow, this weekend, is a good time to take a look at our website, view some of those cool lodging uh, opportunities that I talked about, the yurts, the tree houses, all of those things fill up quickly. But uh, now's the time to book for a great getaway to Pennsylvania's Laurel Highlands. And does it get very busy for Halloween? That's the next holiday is coming up. Yes, Halloween is a fun time. We have corn mazes. We have pumpkin patches. Um, We have one of the – it's considered – one of the largest pumpkins, so you can have your picture taken at one of our farmer's markets with this gargantuan pumpkin that they bring in uh, every year that's grown locally. Uh, And then Idlewild, uh, which is one of the country's oldest uh, theme parks, 
It's located just outside of Ligonier. has a wonderful family experience called Halibu. It is kid-friendly. It's not scary, and it's just a fun thing for kids, small kids, to enjoy. And then for those that want to be scared, we've got that too. Uh, Certainly (laughs) our haunted houses are plentiful, and we are also home to Buffalo Bill's uh, house, which is uh, the scene for Silence of the Lambs. So we have just about it, something for everyone when it comes to the haunted things and the spooky things during the Halloween time. That's great. Our guests tonight have been Donna Gibson, Executive Director of the Friends of Flight 93 National Memorial and Anna Manick of Pennsylvania's Laurel Highlands. Thank you both so much for being our guests on Travelers Radio. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. And with the baseball playoffs coming soon and the holidays right behind them, check out my book, The New Baseball Bible, Notes, Nuggets, Lists, and Legends from a National Pastime. 480 pages for less than a saw block, both a coffee table book and a bathroom book. Read it backwards and still enjoy it. That's the new Baseball Bible with Mike Trout on the cover. Get it tonight on Amazon.com. And that's it for this edition of Travelage Radio. Next week, same time, same station, same writer, same announcers. We'll find out what's doing in beautiful Mesa, Arizona. Now this is Dan Schlossberg along with Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.